0: Let's flourish and be the best version of ourselves. Hey, and welcome back to another gem-filled episode by yours truly. So why is it that nobody really cares about what to eat when they're pregnant until they're actually pregnant? And those that are tuning in that have been pregnant before know exactly what I'm talking about because... You know, when you first get pregnant, there's a lot of scrambling. You're making a doctor's appointment. You're finding a practitioner, a doctor to support you on your pregnancy journey. You're trying to figure out your birth plan. You're buying stuff for the baby and then everything else in between. And then you add figuring out your diet on top of that. Yeah, that is super stressful. So even if pregnancy is not on your radar right now, or you don't ever want to be pregnant it's information still worth knowing so you can you know have it far in advance to then be better prepared when it is your time Or you can share it with a girlfriend, share it with an aunt, an auntie, whomever. So ladies, I have a special guest here with me today, Olivia Small, who is a dietitian like me and is also a lactation counselor helping women optimize nutrition before, during, and after pregnancy to grow a healthy baby and and find balance postpartum. She shares a wealth of information that's easy to digest and is super practical. You are going to love all the information she shares. So tell us in the reviews what you think about the episode and please leave some stars and a rating. I would really appreciate that. You know I love all the support that I can get. All right, now to the episode. Hey Olivia, welcome to the show. I'm so happy you are joining me today. This is really exciting.
1: Thanks, Valerie. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. This is actually my first podcast and I'm super excited that it's on a topic that I'm so passionate about.
0: Oh, well, welcome. That's, that's like really great. Um, and so, yeah, just, you know, tell the listeners about you, your work, your recent journey to women's health, because you haven't always been like in this space, right? right?
1: Right, right, exactly. So I'm Olivia. I'm a dietitian here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I have definitely recently moved into women's health on my personal, like my private practice space, but I have been a dietitian in women's health for all of my professional career, um, my full-time job, if you will. So I actually got started in women's health from my first experience in my dietetic internship. So if anyone out there knows the pathway to become a dietitian, you start out in an internship. And my first rotation was with WIC, Women, Infant, and Children's Clinic. Um, And it's funny because a lot of my peers really disliked that rotation, but for me, it was my first ever experience working specifically with pregnancy, breastfeeding, and infant nutrition. And I absolutely, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Um, it's such a powerful time frame, um, which is why WIC even came into existence. So that time frame in a mother and child's life, I just realized how important it was, and that really I carried that experience with me throughout the remainder of that year. And I was able to find one of the very few jobs in Columbus in the prenatal nutrition space, other than WIC. Um, So I started as a community prenatal and postpartum dietitian and lactation counselor, and then recently transitioned into working in the, in the clinical space in an OBGYN um, maternal fetal medicine office, which is what I'm doing right now Um, on the side. So I've always had like my Instagram page, um, all of the dietitian. that's my main page. So I've always been focused on sustainable weight loss in my virtual practice, mostly serving women. And you're right. It was a couple of months ago that I had some, a few like really powerful weight loss clients that were having some non-weight loss wins. Um, and they were all surrounded, like surrounding that women's health realm, like improved periods. And I was really noticing that that is truly my passion, um, general women's health, Um, and nutrition before, during, and after pregnancy.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And I was definitely one of the dietitians that (laughs) was not into WIC. I actually did like an internship there like for a whole like month. And I was like, yeah, this is not it. But I mean, I love the, you know, just getting into it and being able to serve like, you know, women and um, exactly. their children. I learned a lot about like breastfeeding, which was kind of nice. Um, and I also worked at a GYN facility. So that's kind of cool. Cause um, oh, cool. you never hear
1: no. a lot of
0: dietitians kind of working, you know, at a GYN space. So there's not a lot of opportunity um, exactly. there for that, but it was definitely fun um, while I was there. Cause I definitely, you know, learned a lot about um, these like women's health issues and how you know, I can use nutrition to help manage some of these, these issues. So that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I love that.
0: Yeah. So, you know, today we're talking about prenatal nutrition, whether you are, you know, um, a mom to be, or you are planning on having children later on in life. I think, you know, just generally when it comes to eating, um, I think people can get a little anxious with like what to eat when they first hear of, you know, the news of being pregnant. So exactly. to start, let's talk about common myths that you often hear when it comes to pregnancy nutrition.
1: Yes. Great. Great question. I feel like the first one that really, really grinds my gears is not necessarily nutrition related, but food related is that it's okay to drink like a glass of wine during pregnancy. Like it's okay to have wine during pregnancy. I don't know where this, I hear this myth all the time. And this is really problematic because there's no, there's no safe type of alcohol or amount of alcohol in pregnancy. Um, And I, I like to explain it this way because your body doesn't know where alcohol is coming from. It doesn't know if it's, you know, beer or wine or, you know, any kind of liquor, like on a chemical level, a five ounce glass of wine, a 12 ounce beer and a shot of tequila, all of the same amount of alcohol. Right. So it doesn't make sense to say that a glass of wine is fine during pregnancy. We don't know a safe type of alcohol. Now that said, just like you're saying, I don't wanna scare any moms out there who, who don't find out until pregnancy, until after they've had a few or several drinks or they had a night out. Like that's super, super, super common. Um, and the thing that we wanna be keep in mind, and this is really all throughout the pregnancy with all of the recommendations, is that the important thing, it's not about being perfect, right? It's, it's about making progress and, and understanding your end goal. And so when it comes to something like this, The important thing to remember is reducing and eliminating exposure. There's a big difference between, you know, oh, I had no idea that I was pregnant and I drank a few times, but I stopped as soon as I found out, right? Um, And I drink a glass of wine regularly because, you know, I heard it's safe during pregnancy. Like, no, that is a, a huge myth that I really try and explain to my clients that that is, that's actually not okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely that, that one's a big one. Um, and so I've also heard like, um, you know, things about caffeine or just seafood is bad. Like what about those ones?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to something like a caffeine, like, Oh my gosh, you know, you have to drink no caffeine during pregnancy. This is actually kind of similar, right? So Someone, and there's a lot of like mixed research out there right now, honestly, on, um, caffeine. So we have general guidance that says from the, from ACOG, which is the governing body over our OBGYNs, um, and the world health organization that say, you know, 200 to 300 milligrams of caffeine is, is completely fine and safe during pregnancy, Now there's another subset of people who are doing research and who are finding that potentially maybe a little bit less than that amount is linked to, um, you know, potential uh, behavioral issues down the road. So there's always like two perspectives. You know, we don't have enough research to to change the, the overall guideline, but there are people out there who maybe bring up that no caffeine is safe during pregnancy, or that you need to be mindful of your caffeine. So what I see really is in that instance, it's every choice is is up to is up to mom. You know, if that's something that's easy for you to eliminate and you, you know, you know, you don't, it doesn't really matter to you if you have your coffee in the morning, then you know, feel free to eliminate that from your diet. But for someone who is like I can cannot survive without my caffeine in the morning. My cup of coffee makes me happy. You know, that's when I really revert to the overall body of evidence that we're looking at right now says that one cup of coffee um, 60 ounces of coffee a day is completely fine. So it would be, if you are someone who needs that morning caffeine, I don't want you to try and force yourself to eliminate it. Um, just because you feel like you have to, it's really understanding what the evidence is saying, what the experts are agreeing on. And then there's always going to be some other studies out there that are, you know, raising questions and red flags or, or yellow flags, I should say.
0: And seafood, like, um, I, some people just eliminate seafood all around, but, Mm -hmm. um, I hear just, I mean, from the latest research and just evolving research, um, you know, generally, uh, fish is a great part of, you know, um, you know, an eating routine that we should have because of the omega omega threes and other nutrients that it provides. And I think when it comes to seafood people, I mean, definitely like moms don't want to be eating seafood that have higher mercury levels. Um, exactly. And so, I mean, do you have any other input to that? Cause I know it's, it's definitely something uh-huh. that I hear often, but then like the research is saying right. like, okay, moms to be, should be getting at least two servings of fish, you know, especially fatty yes. fish in their diet for just like brain health and um, yep. for the fetus and, and all that. So
1: Yep. That's another one. Exactly. Kind of like the caffeine. So there's like a sliver of something like we know that large fish are more likely to bioaccumulate mercury, which, um, has the potential to, to cause some damage. But we know on the other hand, that small oily fish like salmon, skipjack tuna, um, mackerel sardines. herring, Yeah. Sardines, anchovies, all of those smaller oily fish are super rich in omega-3 fatty acids, which are great for brain development for brain, um, for brain health and for eye health. So we know that we want moms to be getting those foods so that they can really support and optimize baby's growth and development. So it's sometimes these recommendations, they get repeated. I kind of say it's kind of like a game of telephone, right? So the more that somebody, they just pick little pieces of these recommendations and then repeat them over and over again, and you lose some of that like those key nuances because food safety during pregnancy, it's really, it is very nuanced. So when it comes to fish, you know, we do want to avoid those large, uh, often predatory fish that are going to bioaccumulate that mercury. But I usually say too, these are a lot of the foods that most of us aren't eating regularly, right? So things like shark, tilefish, swordfish, orange roughy, like these are really big fish that we are not, eating on it on a daily basis. So when you're out there you know, wanting to, to have shrimp or, you know, a tuna, a skipjack tuna, light tuna fish sandwich, like you should be, um, including those foods because you know that the, the nutrient benefit is very high, especially in those smaller fish.
0: Okay. Yeah. And speaking of foods to avoid, I mean, raw fish, definitely. <laughs> That's one that, you know, raw fish, definitely. It's something that you don't want to be consuming when you're pregnant. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, what, what other things to uh, avoid? I mean, you mentioned, um, yeah. So we talked about the, the high mercury fish and things, but what other things are on this list?
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, kind of on the same, on the same note, like the foods that we need to truly avoid. I think it seems like it would be a really long list, but it's, it's, it's not really because there's a ton of nuance in these food safety guidelines. And so, you know, things like caffeine, like we just talked about, you don't necessarily have to avoid it. Things like, um, artificial sweeteners for some people, they want to, um, avoid those foods or avoid those, um, ingredients in their foods, but there's not necessarily hardcore research that says you need to avoid it. So when it comes to things in your diet that I do think you truly need to avoid, um, it is those large fish. It's um, avoiding BPA plastic. So this is along the same lines of nutrition and food, but Um, kind of a little bit different. So the food, the things that you're putting your food into, right? Those plastics, We want to be choosing like glass containers. We want to be looking for um, clean beauty products without phthalates or fragrance. Um, Those are very important. And then avoiding things like um, we don't want to be eating, like you said, raw fish, raw oysters. We want to make sure that our meats are cooked um, appropriately. We don't want to be eating raw meats, raw um, fish and sorry, raw chicken and, and what. So, um, honestly, my list of foods to avoid is, is pretty, is pretty small because I really spend a lot of my time trying to explain to people what the research actually says and why we don't actually have to fear a lot of the foods that are on this quote unquote foods to avoids list. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like, um, you also talked earlier about alcohol and then just, um, you know, raw eggs I hear turkey every now and then. I don't know if you have any, anything to say on that. I don't know. Is it because of like how, um, if it's not properly stored, it can lead to like food, you know, foodborne illnesses and things like that.
1: Exactly. It's not the actual turkey itself. It's not like the steak or the eggs itself. It's that in our system, there are certain foods and the way that you prepare it. Sometimes it's, it's more likely to contain a foodborne pathogen that can make pregnant mamas um, sick. So it's the same thing like deli meat. That's a big one that people kind of misconstrue that is maybe on like a your obgyn may include deli meat but yeah. yeah oh i meant
0: like yeah turkey as in like oh the, deli meat the, yeah yes. deli meat turkey or yes. lunch meat or whatever that kind oh of Oh my thing. gosh
1: yes this is a big one it's not necessarily on my do not eat list because if you if that's a really easy source of protein for you um and turkey it is you know there's nutrients in turkey it's not like it's you know a completely a useless protein like if that's an easy way for you to get in, in protein then 100% but we just know When you are preparing that, it's safer to just throw in the microwave, zap it for 30 seconds, get it toasted, um, you know, saute it on the stovetop. Like you can still eat those meats. You can still eat those foods. But back in the nineties, there was a lot of, um, listeria monocytogenes outbreaks. And that's really how deli meat specifically worked its way into our recommendations. to Yeah. Very interesting stuff.
0: Okay. So just generally, what is the role of nutrition in in pregnancy? We know it's important, but like what, you know, what is the role of it?
1: Yeah, this is a, this is a great question. So nutrition during pregnancy is insanely important, not only because we need those vitamins, minerals, macronutrients, fatty acids to grow our healthy baby, but we know that these are actually playing a crucial role all throughout the first, what we say, 1000 days of life, which is actually including the first 90 days prior to conception. So nutrition starts playing a role very, very, very early. It plays a role every day, every week as baby grows and develops throughout pregnancy. And then it continues to play a big role up through, you know, throughout their life, throughout adulthood, but specifically as they are Doing that really exponential growth in those first couple of years. So good nutrition plays a role in babies' growth and development. It helps them optimize brain development so that they can learn and thrive in school. Um, it helps them optimize metabolic health so that they have a strong and healthy physical body that sets their kids up for a healthy future. Um, and a nutrition for mom during pregnancy helps like mediate some of those yucky symptoms like nausea, vomiting constipation. Um, it also helps reduce your risk for pregnancy conditions and complications like preeclampsia, high blood pressure, um, and helps improve mom's metabolic health later in life too. So pregnancy is a, a window of opportunity for mom and baby in the future.
0: Yeah. I love that. And you mentioned nausea and I know that's a really big thing like morning sickness and it can be really hard sometimes to meet your nutritional needs, especially if you, you know, can't keep things down. And, um, you know, there's some moms to, you know, that do have, uh, HG hyperemesis gravidarium. I think mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing it right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, or HG and that's like severe prolonged, um, vomiting. So what do you typically recommend to those, um, kind of experiencing that? Cause especially with I those know. experiencing HG, I mean, some mm-hmm. situations are really extreme to the point that they're getting IVs, for hydration, right. they're getting two feedings, you know, they're on medications and right. And so just between the two, like just, you know, normal morning sickness yeah. versus more like extreme cases.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's tough morning sickness. I'll start there. So these symptoms, I mean, I see moms every day, talk to me about this and these symptoms can hit like a load of bricks. Um, and, and the thing that's really unfortunate about morning sickness is despite the name, it can be an all day occurrence of either nausea or vomiting or both. Um, It can trigger, it can be triggered by food, smells, motion, and and it really is hard to navigate. So one of the biggest things that I tell the moms that I work with is don't force yourself to eat foods that don't settle really be gracious and kind to your body. Um, In general, any calories are good calories. Like don't beat yourself up over what you can't tolerate and, But try and eat nutritious foods if you can, right? Find the foods that you're able to keep down and keep those on hand. And those are usually like bland, dry, or cold food. So things without a lot of flavor, like bread, rice, pretzels, sometimes like plain rotisserie chicken, that can be something easy, Um, crackers, bananas, um, and sometimes like those drier foods, like crackers are easy to have, like on your bedside table and can really help you kind of settle your stomach for, for the start of the day, help you get out of bed. Um, really trying to focus on cold foods can help too, if smells are sensitive for you. So having like hundred percent fruit juice, popsicles, or frozen yogurt in the freezer, or even just having regular yogurt in the fridge and string cheese as easy options, Um, and I always, I try and, you know, I really tell moms to like stick with it. Just make sure that you're getting enough food, that you're getting something in every couple hours, small meals and snacks, and know that around the early second trimester around 16 weeks is when we see a big improvement in these symptoms. So around that time, try and expand your horizons, um, carefully when it comes to, to trying different foods.
0: Yeah. Um, and of course, like for those who have, uh, you know, HD experiencing that, I mean, they're typically mm-hmm. working closely with their, their doctors. Exactly. You know? It's so, exactly. It's so sad. And I can't even imagine like how, you know, much of a challenge that is. Um, and I, some of the tips that you shared too, I think could work for those who may not have an appetite, you know, when, when you're, you know, pregnant and maybe it's like, we know how important it is to stay nourished throughout the day to make sure you're meeting your nutritional needs, but sometimes you just don't have an appetite, (laughs) but I know that, um, you know, like supplements can come in at, in, this time. So let's talk about supplements. Um, you know, I often hear taking a prenatal supplement supplement's a great idea and, um, you know, OBGYNs, you know, the doctors, they usually recommend. And so what do you need to look for in a prenatal? When do you, when should you start taking one?
1: Yeah, great question. So first, like I said, with that 1000, first 1000 days, you should start taking a prenatal vitamin well before you're, you're planning to, to get pregnant. So we say at least three months before, cause that's really when that egg development starts to happen. So Three months before, at least. Um, but in general, every woman of reproductive age should take a prenatal, and there are so many to choose from. It's definitely it can be very overwhelming to to buy prenatals these days. Um, but first, I would say you want to make sure that you have a, a prenatal vitamin from a reputable source. So looking for some type of third party testing um, that may be USP or NSF verified, um, or having um, you know a prenatal that, you know, was made by a nutrition expert. So somebody who was in, you know, I know of several who were created by dietitians or, um, physicians who have a strong connection to nutrition during pregnancy. Um, so there's a couple of things that you really want to look for in your prenatal, and those are going to be active forms of our B vitamins. So B9 or folate and B12. So you want to look for the methyl forms of both of those vitamins. So those B vitamins, also choline, choline is super beneficial for babies' brain development, also linked to, um, neural tube defects. So kind of like buddies up, it's in the same uh, category as folate, which many of us, um, know that folate is very important. So it should contain choline, iodine, vitamin D, magnesium, and then, um, Iron's is a little bit, there's a, it's a gray area because I feel as though that every person, every woman should have their iron status tested before um, they really try and correct or to take any iron supplements. So usually our prenatal vitamins, especially prior to pregnancy, the prenatal vitamins have much more, almost 10 milligrams more than it we technically need in pre-pregnancy while you're not pregnant. So I think it is important to know what your underlying iron status is and have that vitamin, have that mineral dosed by um, a healthcare provider.
0: Yeah, all really great tips. And so you mentioned already some of the key nutrients that we need to be looking for in a prenatal. Um, and so when you talk about some of these nutrients, can you pick like three top nutrients and what kind of foods to get it from as well?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to start with iodine because iodine is needed to support thyroid hormone production. And baby actually relies on mom's, um, thyroid hormone for the first half of pregnancy. Um, but it's kind of tricky. You have to be very intentional to make sure you have the foods included. So iodized salts, this is not a very popular one these days, but that's a great, easy way. Any kind of seafood, seaweed, and dairy products. Um, Another one is magnesium. So super important. It's involved in over 300 enzymatic reactions in the body. Um, And it's also linked to, it can help reduce your risk of leg cramps and whatnot. So really beneficial. Most prenatals don't have a ton of it. So including chia seeds, pumpkin seeds, almonds, cashews, green leafy vegetables. Those are great sources as well. Um, let's talk about vitamin D. So again, not found in many foods, crucial for fetal bone development. Um, you can find it in salmon, egg yolks, and mushrooms exposed to UV sunlight, or you can get out in the sunlight, spend, you know, at least 30 minutes in the sunshine every day and kind of get your body to, to produce your daily dose of vitamin D.
0: I love that. Um, and so, yes, I'm always about like food first, but we know too, I mean, you're growing a baby. You need more, um, to kind of make sure you're, you're getting the right nutrients. So, um, just one tip for busy moms on the go to stay nourished.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. So one tip for busy moms, I would say keep easy snacks on hand. I feel Mm, like having, yeah, have like cut veggies in your fridge, like baby carrots, those baby cucumbers that are so, I love those baby bell peppers have some easy veggies on hand and easy pairings, string cheese, fruit, like clementines, nut butter packs, Greek yogurt cups, like have those easy things on hand. So when hunger strikes, you have the opportunity to prepare a balanced and intentional snack.
0: I love that. You just shared amazing tips on just like, you know, what to eat when you're pregnant. It can be so stressful, but this was amazing. Thank you so much, Olivia. And any last words to share?
1: Um, I guess lastly, I, I mean, we could probably talk for like an hour on this. So I definitely encourage everybody to come and explore my new page. So the.pregnancy.nutritionist, where I go into all of these topics and more when it comes to supporting your nutrition before, during, and after pregnancy.
0: Yeah. And we'll put all your information in the show notes. Um, this is a, one more question that we like to ask all our guests. And so it's, how do you flourish?
1: Um I recently I have been really focusing on my water intake and I really I just started doing legree or Pilates. So trying to do that once a week really kind of sweat and put my muscles to the test and makes me feel good and strong.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, Olivia, for coming to the show and we'll definitely keep in touch. So we want you to come back on and talk more about this. So thank you. Thanks, Valerie. Again, you can find Olivia's information in the show notes. Thank you guys for tuning into today's episode. I told y'all it was going to be good, okay? Make sure you share it with someone you know that maybe is trying to get pregnant or just share it to everybody because we all need to be informed about this information anyway. Um, you guys are awesome. Again, please, please support by leaving a rating and a podcast review. Thank y'all for listening and I will talk to you next time. But until then, keep flourishing. Thank you.